Amen. 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 All right. Um, so we, we continue on this discussion about soul winning. Just bring you a very quick charge this morning. Um, interesting news about football during the week. Um, this whole thing about Neymar. You know, if you caught the story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's Neymar's cousin in service. But it's 200 million pounds or something of that sort. You know, and this is a huge salary. It's just like... My father must be very pleased now. <laughs> All those times he told me when I was younger, don't play football, go and read. You know, here we are. <laughs> but I'd like us to read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 26 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 26. Do you not know that in a race, all, com- all the runners run? but only one gets the prize. I'm reading, I think, the NKJV. He said, run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict trainings. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating. Our consideration this morning is our eye on the prize. Our eye on the prize. If you want to win the prize we say you must know what the rules of the game are. It's very important. If you play different sports, you understand that the rules are different. You cannot try to play basketball with the rules of football. Okay? It's very important. And uh, preparing for this, asking myself, look, what's the marking scheme for life? Uh, if, you, if you went to a Nigerian university, like I did, you, you understand the whole concept of a marking scheme. Those of you who you know, studied abroad, I apologize. I just explained to you. It's how the lecturer will mark what we have written. Okay? And if you went to a good university, like the University of Benin, which I did. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ah, we are plenty. Okay? <laughs> All right. It, it then this concept of the area of concentration. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it's coming back to someone. It's the AOC. <laughs> And that's when after the whole semester, you just wait patiently. Eh? And the lecturer will say, on Friday, I will come and tell you what the area of concentration is. Uh, it's, it's very important. And it's essentially where the lecturer will say, do not bother with topic one, two, or three. Topic four, 50 marks. <laughs> and God help you if you were not there when they discuss the areas of concentration. Because what will simply happen is that you will be reading topics that were not going to come out. Uh, so please help me ask your neighbor this morning, is it going to come out in the exam? Uh, but they, they didn't hear you. Help me ask the person on the other side, what you are reading this, this year, is it coming out in the It's very important. It's very important. Uh, because um, that is our discussion this morning. What are the rules that God, what will he be marking in the, when, he, when our scripts show up with our matriculation number, uh, matricula, you all remember your matriculation number. For some of you, it's 782. <laughs> all right. But what are we running towards? Where are the things which we are forecast going to end up? Uh, you, you know, sometimes as Christians, we can get into this whole concept of doing good works or just doing things which sound good or are religious. It gives us a fairly humanistic religion. But, you know, Paul says it's a form of religion that lacks the power thereof. So when Jesus will even do things like miracles, it wasn't the end in itself. So they would call it signs and wonders. 
and, and you know that signs are not the end. A signboard shows you where you are going to. Yeah? There's this beautiful signpost in front of PCC. And if we had all come this morning, just see people gather around the sign. Oh my God. The Elevation Church. Oh wow. You know, after a while, well, then, uh, some people will go and join them just to say maybe something happened. But after a while, you would get worried for them because the signs and the wonders in themselves were not the issue. So, the things that we do, even in church, are directed towards a purpose. And this whole month, we've been talking about being a star witness. So, when I serve in God's house, I serve to point people to Jesus. When I sing so beautiful like the Elevation Priest of Praise, it's not just so that you can know that I am a singer. Uh, It's to point people to Jesus. When I help to pack cars in the morning, in the car park, like people who graciously did this morning, to point people to Jesus. When I usher, tell you where to sit, and you shake your head, no, I had my favorite seat in church. It's to point people to Jesus. Even when you wake up tomorrow morning at 5.30, put your tie, your beautiful red tie you like wearing on Monday, head out in traffic to your bank. It's to point people to Jesus. Essentially, we have no purpose outside of Jesus. And, you know, going back to this whole concept of an area of concentration, if you forgive me again to use this analogy, you know there were courses and there were courses in university. There were some courses that were like one credit. There were some courses that were compulsory. There was a course in my university. It doesn't matter who you were. You couldn't graduate without passing that course. So the Great Commission is a core compulsory 10 credit course in the university of life. It is compulsory. You don't, it's not, it's not optional. Let me tell, tell the person next to you, it's not optional. It's not optional. Tell them, I, I know you are studying other courses, but the great commission is not optional. Matthew 28 and verse 19 to 20, I read to your hearing. Jesus says, go therefore, make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. To win at the end of life, not just to be present, but to be counted as victorious, we must pay attention to the practice and the mandate of soul winning. I like to say that it's called soul winning because it's a contest. It's a fight. It's, you don't win if there's no battle or opposition. The Bible speaks about the one who has blinded the eyes of them who do not believe. It says, lest they come to the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's active opposition to salvation of souls. So we cannot pretend not to know what is happening. Uh, okay, and, and for me, it's, you know, this morning, just want to, you know, we've talked about it all this month, but just want to focus it and look, where am I on the playing field of life? We cannot pretend that we do not know what is happening. Where am I on the playing field of life? Um, so when you read Paul's discussion uh, in First in Corinthians where we read earlier, he says, look, there's no crown for the people who are not playing according to the rules. So you cannot set different parameters for success except what God has done. You cannot set. In fact, I was speaking somewhere this week, and I said, you have to be careful about your definition of success. That it's not based on a false reality. It's not based. Luke 12 is a beautiful scripture I love. And there Jesus describes what we 
as typical modern-day Lagosians will be a man who had hammered, who had, you know, who had made it. The Bible says this man had, he had, he had, he had gotten to the heights. His bank account was thirty billion and a half. <laughs> And the Bible says, the man says, where should I go on holiday? It is summer. Where, where should I land? And, and the one who is the chief examiner of life shows up and says, no, sir. That is not the area of concentration. It says, tonight, we will have a review. So there is no crown for those who do not compete according to the rules. And just want to ask, you know, help me ask, you know, on the playing field, help me ask the person next to you, are you a player? Uh, there's a wife asking her husband, are you a player? <laughs> That's not what I meant you should ask him. <laughs> huh? But let me ask the person next to you, are you a player? Are you, are you a player? Uh, are, you, are you a player? <laughs> are you involved? Because in the game of life, scoring goals is equivalent, or winning souls is equivalent to scoring goals. Do you imagine what it would be if you had to play football? You, you got all the great players in the world and you says, Neymar is 200 pounds. Come, 200 million pounds. Pastor T, who plays football occasionally, come. Half of the players in Arsenal who are really great players, come. And you know, get all of them together. So, let's play. Says, ah, but no, it's a special game. <laughs> no goalposts. We will determine for ourselves where the goalposts will be. And what you find is, in fact, the players will not even start. And sometimes the way we live our lives, a very simple message this morning is, is the way we live our lives is almost like we all try to determine where the goalposts will be. But the great commission is the thing. So what price am I pursuing? What price am I pursuing? The Bible says that he who wins souls is wise. A player would use everything at their disposal. Everything. They do not just wait for the month when we teach. Someone in their mind is just like, this, we've been teaching Star Witness. I know it's about to finish. We'll soon start teaching something else. You know, because you, God has been holding your heart. Preach. Share. Like, ah, no. They know me in Lagos. I can't start sharing like, you know, but you kind of are just waiting because your conscience has been, every morning when you wake up, say, have you shared with some? Have you, and you're like, they'll soon pass. I know they'll soon, God will speak to the pastor. They will soon start teaching something else. But this is a core course. Someone says a core course. A core course. A player uses everything. They understand that this will count in eternity. It will count in eternity. When Jesus describes what life is Luke 12 25 my favorite scripture of all times in fact if you ever see a car drive by you Luke 12 15, Luke 12 15 that's my car except one of you is now trying to be clever and now do that which is not right okay but Luke 12 15 says a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions help me ask your neighbor how much do you have they don't have to tell you but just but God Jesus says that is not your life a man's life does not consist. So there's an urgent cause. So a player is fully aware of the goal. He's fully aware of 
what needs to be done. He's fully aware of why he's here. And I, and I realize, I speak as somebody who lives in this city, I realize that there's a lot of stuff you need to attend to here. If, if you're just graduating, just coming to, you, you're like, oh my God, my first job, my first job, my first job. And you get your first job, my first house, or no house, or rent, my first flats. I was going to say my first wife, but it's not my first wife. It's your only wife. Okay. Then my wife, my wife, I must marry, I must marry. So every prayer parent, no matter how we pray it, in your mind you translate it to the things which you're trying. And then you get my first child. Then my first son. Or my first daughter. Then my first managerial role. But the game, and, and, you, and what happens is, you know, as you go through the steps, you know, people hail you. Ah, we hear you now have a flat in Lekki. Well done. <laughs> we hear you are now married. Ah, ah well done. Are you married, sir? <laughs> I felt it when I said that. I felt the way you. <laughs> and everybody says, well done. Says we hear that you now have 30 billion your account <laughs> well done but you know that there are teams and I will not mention their names who on the field pass the ball pass 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 pastor T supports one of those teams pass 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 and if you are a fan you're like you guys understand what we are doing here <laughs> keeps going and then of course, as it then happens, their opponents score one goal, they get upset, their fans get upset, they come to church upset. And, and, and what happens is that they're on the field, but they don't understand what the goal is. Uh, help me ask your neighbor, how are you? <laughs> no, 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 this is important. Just ask them, how are you? Just, just please tell them, I think Idris is talking to you. It's just not... I think he's talking to you. So a player understands that I must use everything that I have. So I don't know what it is that God has given you. It's important. This whole month has been just to refocus us. Someone is a beautiful voice. Someone it's your... It's just the fact that when you invite people, everybody shows up. Someone... It's a... It's even a bit, maybe a birthday that is coming. And God's saying it's an opportunity for you to be a player who is present. An opportunity to share the, good, the great commission. Someone is your wedding. Nothing stops you from giving an altar call on your wedding. I know that you've synchronized everything. How you're going to come out of the car, five steps to the left. I will now move my right like this. And you've done everything. But could we share the great commission at your wedding? For someone, it's your career. For someone, it's your popularity. Someone, it's your network. You know everybody. Everybody. But do they know Jesus? These people who you know. Because the parameters for true success are set by God. Are set by God. God is in the soul winning business. And we must then follow the things that will go into eternity. So Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 
It says, um, if you read from verse 5 to 8, it says, But be watchful in all things and your afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I'm already been poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. Verse 7 I love. It says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. <sighs> because they are players. They are people who are mindful. It's their priority. It's their priority. Help me ask the person next to you again. Are you a player? Are you a player? <laughs> I want to draw attention to a group of people on the playing field of life who will call spectators. Who will call spectators? Spectators just watch life uh, go by. They are on the sideline when other people are achieving great things for God's kingdom. But they really have no contribution to the matter. Spectators are not idle. Let's not get it wrong. They are not idle. But they are just not contributing to the game. The one thing that interests me is how spectators sometimes have this unnerving accuracy when they describe what the people who are playing should be doing. How can name out? He should cross. He knew. It was open. He should cross. <laughs> it's just like, you know, when you see people saying, our club has bought Neymar. <laughs> and you know, you wonder, ah, ah, how? <laughs> how, you know? So, so we, we've signed a new player. And we're going to sign Sanchez tomorrow. You think, and as I prepared for this, I realized that, you know, followership does not translate into shareholding. Followership is not shareholding. You can follow GTB on social media. When they are paying dividends, they don't use their Twitter handle. They go to a register of shareholders. Ah, okay. <laughs> so the fans come, they come. It's like us, we are, share, we are cheering, we are shouting, pass! You know? But the challenge with spectators and fans is that they're not engaged, they are, they are busy. In fact, I've been to the stadium before and I realized sometimes the fans get there before the players. And they're shouting. But the activities that they're involved in have no true relevance in eternity. So being in church is good. But don't forget that the fans are in the stadium also. <sighs> Let me ask the person next to you. I my brother, are you, are you a spectator? Ask politely. The pastor said to ask, are you a spectator? And you kind of know because God has been all this month tugging at your heart. He's been saying, can we move you? Can we move you? Can we move you? I, I don't know why. Um, as I prepared for this, God began to um, remind me about Judas. We don't really like Judas a lot, do we? No. He's the one. You remember Judas? He did a business transaction with Jesus' life. Swapped to some derivatives and checked Jesus out. But, and I was amazed how that Judas, who had actually been a player, quote unquote, been focused on the kingdom, 
participate in three and a half years. Suddenly takes a detour. And I thought maybe God meant there was someone here who needed to hear this. That you've been involved before. God, the kingdom, soul winning. The great commission has been a huge meal for you before. Judas probably saw some, was a player, big field. He'd been playing 12, were 12 disciples. But he probably saw some spectators drinking something and just says, man, I'm out of this game. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Or he might have wondered why he was sweating on the field, expending energy. But the people who were on, you know, the spectators, you could see them laughing. You know, you know when, you're, when you're playing a game, you can actually see the spectators. Sometimes you can see them laughing. Yesterday I watched a tennis game and after a while the guy t- actually looks into the crowd and tells the guy, do you want the racket? Do you want to come and play? This thing is not easy. <laughs> so Judas probably just saw people and said, look, I don't know why we're doing this. He might have felt the sting because sometimes the commentator or the spectators say things that are hot for. And he decided I can't take this anymore. Being a, being a, being a player is not easy sometimes. I took my son when he turned 10 to watch his first Arsenal game. They nearly lost the match. God helped us. And um, I remember there was this gentleman standing beside us. At some point, the guy just got up and started yelling and insulting. My son looked at me and was like, it was not insulting us. It was insulting people on the field. My son looked at me and was like, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> I said, yes, that's life. And, and Judas might have felt the sting of people's comments and decided, I can't take this anymore. Look, this guy told us he was the Messiah three and a half years. Nothing is happening. No progress. I'm handling the accounts. The accounts are not moving. Other people almost have 29, 28 billion. Look at where we are in the ministry. Or the coach might have said something to him that was hurtful. Someone in church might have said something to him. Or someone on his team might have refused to pass the ball to him. And so Judah says, look, I'm checking out. I'm not on this team anymore. Our call this morning is very simple. Is that you cannot afford to be on the sideline of life watching other people achieve great things for God. Matthew 8, 36 says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And if you're here in service, you're not saved. I do assure you that the relationship with God, and we thank God for Latte's beautiful God experience earlier. Your relationship with God is a fantastic way to ensure that in eternity, your life counts. How have you defined your price is my price is it material wealth or is it the intangibles that heaven provides when God thinks about us does he think about me as a player or does he think about me and you as spectators it's extremely important 
someone says, but I don't know all the scriptures. And we've gone through quite a bit this month. I don't know all the scriptures. You don't need to know all the scriptures. You just need to understand what is most important and what is not half as important. I mean, surely by now, you begin to realize as you grow older that there are certain things which are not really as important as you used to think they were. Have you ever worried before about what to wear to an event? Just be honest. Sunday we're in church. You used to really worry. Ah, they say dress code is black and white. And then you go to the event and you realize that nobody even really noticed. Nobody. Have you ever thought about a stage of your life and thought this was all that there was? Help me ask your neighbor, is this really going to come out in the exam? Just help me ask that, please. I know, I know you've done this in my but please help me ask them. So when you think of your next week, when you think of your next month, will it translate to eternity? When you think of the things that you have planned to achieve, will it translate to eternity? Second Corinthians chapter 5, I read in closing to your hearing. It's quite an important scripture. 7 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. I'll read down from the NKJV. It says, Now the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, now we know him thus no longer. The 17 says, Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, but has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ, even as though God was pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be seen for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Someone tell your neighbor, area of concentration. Let's bow our heads and pray this morning. I'd like you to speak to God and say, Father, I want this life my life 
that I leave 2017, 2018, for as long as I live. I want it to count. I want my life to count in eternity. I want my life to count in eternity. I want my life to count in eternity. After all's done and said, after you've driven in traffic, after you've married, had a first child, paid the school fees, gone to work, raised a great business, I want it to count where it matters in eternity. Will you please talk to God this morning? There is someone who needs to come back home this morning. Someone who needs to come back home this morning. You say, God, I've had all sorts of discussions. People are praying all over the room. Uh, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And we're giving you the privacy of the moment. And you're saying, the Bible says, He made Jesus, who knew no sin, become sin for us, that we through this may become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God says, I did not count your sin against you. He says, But I paid the price. The wages of sin is dead, but the gift of God is eternal life. He's given you an opportunity. The Bible says, Whosoever believes in Him, will not perish. I want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life this morning. You know you've been struggling. You've been struggling. I want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. Everyone is turning around talking to God about Jesus.